life and there's almost no transportation there. It's very hard to get around. There weren't any other musicians for miles near where I was to, to play. And so my only outlet besides being by myself in my room was to play over Zoom. And if you've ever tried playing music over Zoom in real time with other people, it doesn't work because of the delay. You don't notice it when you're talking back and forth, but you don't actually hear what I say until a few seconds after I've said it and vice versa. And that shows up when you're trying to play music. So trying to play in real time over Zoom doesn't work unless you're able to pay this huge subscription and have these hardwired connections to, to be able to play live, but only very high, like well-funded ensembles could possibly do that. And I don't think that very many of them even did that. So in other words, I was alone in a room <laughs> with like a mattress that I propped against the wall and hung a curtain with Zoom. And that was all I was able to do. Um, I will say though, that I'm grateful at least I had a place to go right. uh, because there were, there were a lot of musicians and their families that lost their homes during the pandemic and, and they didn't have a place to go. It was really pretty scary. So I, I feel like I'm starting to waffle now, but the point is that that was not an, that was not an easy thing to go through, but I made it through and I'm back in New York now. And there we go. Made it I am. I've been back, playing back with this New York, nice. so, so now, so now, do you have anything, any, any upcoming events for your music coming up soon? No specific events, um, but I've been working on some Indian music with this tabla player, and I've got a guitar player friend who's relocated to New York, and he has a friend who's doing a recital. I'm waiting to find out when that recital is, but I think it's in April, is what oh, he nice. said. And it's a piece for alto flute and guitar. Uh, other than that, no specific events lined up right now. Okay. And then actually with that event, too, when you get the info, let me know because I'm also a photographer and a videographer. So I definitely don't mind coming through to shoot it, capturing the flicks, and then just giving them on to you and just helping. And then that way, if I can, I definitely don't mind doing that. Perfect. I'll keep that in mind, especially because I am going to need some updated headshots at some point soon. Okay. I, I definitely got your back. I absolutely got you. 100%. <laughs> All right. So I want to go back to the, to the bio because I've seen, I've seen a few things in here about some of the places that you performed at, like the Seattle Center, as well as the kind of uh, the chapel performance. What were some of your favorite places to perform at? In Seattle, it was definite, definitely the chapel performance space and also Spite House. Uh, so Spite House was a Tuesday night free improvisation jazz uh, jam session. Mm -hmm. Free improvisation can be a little bit of a deceptive term because when people hear the word free, they think just play whatever. It's not just play whatever. It, I like to think of it more as total improvisation in that there's no script. There's no um, written piece that you're following. But the second somebody starts playing something, everyone else in the ensemble has to play something that fits with that. So it's like creating music in real time. It's more like composing music in real time. But there's a really good scene in Seattle for people that are really good at that. And one of the places that people would do that is on Tuesday nights at Spite House. Uh, and it was, it's run by this guy named Stephen Fondrick, who's this incredible piano player and a piano tuner, which is probably why he's got such a good ear for piano playing. 
And he would organize us every Tuesday. He would open the jam session with his house band in his house. This wasn't in a venue, it was in his house that he had retrofitted to make into a venue. And so he would open the jam session <laughs> with cool. his house band, which means the two people that lived there. And then the second set would be a, a local band from around Seattle uh, or a touring band that would come in and perform for everybody. And then the third set, he'd open it up to anyone in the audience. And if you didn't have somebody lined up that you were going to play with, he would literally point you, you, and you go. <laughs> you put two people and twos and threes up there. And just and you would just wind up playing total improvisation with people you'd never met before. And you could hear music that ranged everywhere from uh, total arrhythmic, like avant-garde stuff to things that had polyrhythms going on. You had atonal stuff, you had jazz stuff, you had that stuff happening at the same time. You had all kinds of instrumental combinations. It was, it was fantastic. And then after that third set, then it would just be an open jam and anyone and everyone could get up there and, and just nice. play. And sometimes that would go until three o'clock in the morning. Nice. That was, that, that was awesome. my outlet. That was, I loved that so much. It, sound, it sounds like a very fun experience. It sounds like a good, good, good time. Yes, it was a very good time. I have yet to find anything that's quite like that in New York, strangely enough. I mean, it's been I, very much a Seattle thing. I've been in New York for 28 years, and I don't think I don't think I've seen anything like that. Yeah, I've been born and yeah. raised here too, as well, and I haven't, and I definitely haven't seen anything like it. Otherwise, I would have like dragged my attention over there 100. percent Now, but there are some people that are transplanted from Seattle, that, and we're talking about starting something like that out here. So I'll keep you posted. Definitely, I would yeah, love, definitely. I'd love to get some shots of that. Now, besides the flute, is there any other interest, instrument that you play? Uh, well, I play multiple flutes, actually. Um, oh, okay. I, so I play the orchestral flute and I play the alto flute, which is just a bigger version of the same thing. But then I also have this porcelain monstery looking thing. It's not technically a monstery, but it follows the same logic. And I've got a little wooden, like a little bamboo fife. And I've got a Native American flute, actually two Native American flutes, one, one big and one small one. It's kind of funny. It actually sounds more like I'm playing Irish music when I play on the small one, but you know, <laughs> I've got several ocarinas and I also play the Andean Cana. And I've been known to dabble around on the Chinese DT and handpipes as well. Nice. Oh, nice. Wow. Nice. And you are talented. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that's impressive. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I'm speechless with that one. <laughs> for real, the time and dedication you got to put into to learn all of these. So let me ask you this: what was the what was the hardest part about learning any of those, and which one was the hardest to, I guess, master in a sense? Um, I think they're all about equal in difficulty. Well, the ocarina is a little bit easier, only in the sense that it's a small flute and it's got what's known as a fipple. The mouth beat, the mouthpiece style is a fipple. You also see a fipple on a recorder or on like an Irish whistle. It's where the, the, the actual tone hole is down below and it's got like a funnel that funnels the air towards the, towards the tone hole. Uh, so you get a sound right away. Um, and it's also a small instrument that's easy to, easy to carry around. That doesn't mean that it's not a, not a, valid musical instrument that plays real music because yes it does um as the others though i would say they're all about equal difficulty 
Um, it took me the longest to play the orchestral flute because I started at such an early age and it was my first musical instrument and it was my first ah, flute. The first of many. First one. Yes, yes. Start of it all. <laughs> and then my grandpa, who was a rock hunter and was always going to these big rock shows, especially the one in Tucson, Arizona every year, he found this Native American flute and sent it to me when I was 14. And so that got me started on the world flutes thing. And I learned how to play that. And then fast forward several years, I started playing all these other flutes. I would say they're all about equal difficulty, but the thing is that because I already have in, uh, experience playing a flute, I know about breath control. I know about aiming my ear towards the right edge with the right angles to get the right sounds. I was able to learn them faster. Mm. However, it was also challenging because the angle for each flute is a little different because they're all made a little bit different, you know? So it's like, I have to remember, okay, when I play the flute, I got to do this thing. And when I play that other flute, I got to do this other thing. And so I found that what I had to do is focus on one flute for like two weeks or, or like a month or something like that. And then go back and focus on another flute. And as I start slowly getting better at these different flutes, then in practice, I kid you not, switching back and forth between them. Because it's that's, the, the switching. <laughs> it's the switching that it really gets difficult. That's no joke. That's that's impressive. I mean, even I mean, I feel like you're doing that on video. That would that's a way to go viral right there alone. Just switching back and forth between all the ones you play. That's because when you broke it down um, about how you need to move your mouth in a certain direction, blow it this way, the the control, the breathing, the air, everything, all the technique that needs to go into playing each one of those. And the fact that you were able to learn all of those and switch back and forth, found your own progression to do that, that explains why you why you do teach it. Um, I think just even hearing it coming from you, I think anyone that takes the opportunity to get your lessons would be would be truly blessed with the experience. I gotta say that. Thank you. I definitely gotta say that. That's for sure. Now, a question I have for you is: How do you remember your first experience on stage, and how was it? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, um, <laughs> you want my very first experience when I was 10? It's kind of funny, yes. actually. 